Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Shmuel Aleph, Perak Yud Aleph, Chapter 11. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Help! So in Chapter 10, we saw that King Saul becomes king in one of three ways. First, he's anointed by the prophet. Second, he experiences three phenomenal signs, in the third of which is almost like a prophetic experience in which he becomes like a new person. And the third is a coronation, which Shmuel stages for the nation. However, it goes a little wrong when, when they call up the king to sit on the throne, to stand up on the platform. Shaul actually hides. And this is the strange thing about Shaul. He seems to be a certainly reluctant king, a bashful man. And as a result of that, we read at the end of the chapter that the cynics, the Bnei Belial, say, How's this guy going to help us? They mocked him. Shaul didn't answer back. Shaul keeps silent. We read that Shaul went back to his home, joined the farm. In fact, in our chapter, we're going to see him ploughing in the fields. He's not that in, acting like much of a king. But chapter 11, the chapter we're reading today, is going to change all that. Well, what's the story here? We hear about a town called Yavesh Gilad, which is in Avahayaradain, in the Transjordan. We've already heard about this town in the latter half of uh, Shoftim, and we'll get back to that in a moment. And they are uh, attacked by the king of Ammon, Nachasha Ammoni. And uh, they offer him a, a treaty. They say to him, you know, we'll pay you tax money, we don't mind. And he says, I don't want just your money. I want to gouge out the right eye of every single one of you and bring disgrace on all Israel. The peoples of Yabesh say to him, uh, Give us seven days. And even though it's said in the same verse, they obviously don't say this to uh, the king of Ammon. And basically what they're thinking is, give us seven days, because maybe we can get some help from somewhere else. And they send messages throughout Israel. And when the message comes to Givar, which is Shaul's city, and Shaul uh, is at that moment uh, coming from, from behind his oxen, right? He is Achareha uh, Habakar. He hears everybody crying. And you know what, I have to think I have to give some background at this point, because let's go back to the end of Shoftim. If you recall, the tribe of Binyamin had almost been decimated. Uh, there were only 600 men left, and the people of Israel said, well, who are going to marry these 600 men? We can't marry them, because we vowed never to marry into Benjamin. And they find that there's a town in the Transjordan called Yavesh Gilad, this very town we're talking about, who never came to war. And what they do is they kill the entire town, and take the virgin girls and marry them to the people of Binyamin. Simply put, everybody in Binyamin is a relative of somebody in Yavesh Gilad. And by the way, from this story, maybe we also learn that the story in Shoftim was a bit of an exaggeration. They didn't kill everybody in Yavesh Gilad, but they did take their daughters. And everybody in Yavesh Gilad is related to the people of Binyamin. And that's who they sent to. Shaul is having an average day at the farm. It says he comes back from the fields behind his oxen and he sees everybody in the town crying when they hear about this threat to their relatives in Yavesh Gilad. 
And immediately, here's what's his response? Vatitzlach ruach Elohim al-Sha'ul. The Spirit of God comes powerfully upon him. He burns with anger. And he takes his two oxen, he cuts them into twelve pieces, sends pieces around the whole country, and says, If you don't come to war after Saul and after Samuel, this is what I will do to your cattle. And the people come out as one. And when he counts them in a place called Bezek, which is where they rally the troops, they are 330,000 soldiers. This has got to be said, anybody who listens to this understands that this is in an intertextual relationship with the story at the end of Shoftim. Because in the story of Pilegesh B'Givah, the most terrible, tragic story. Um, the, the, the man cut his concubine up and called everybody to war using this method. But now Shaul takes his cattle and cuts them up. And now he, he, he is doing a repair for the period of the Shoftim, where we never got more than 30,000 people out in a single war. And now he gets all the tribes, 330,000 people out, and they engaged in a phenomenally successful attack where they save the people of Yavesh Gilad, they, have a, they, they attack in three different divisions, again, something that reminds us of the man who would be king of Gidon. During the last watch of the night, they attack the camp of the Ammonites, and they slaughter them, and it says, so much so, Valoni Sharub, Bam Shnaim Yachar, not even two soldiers remain together, an absolute victory. And at this point, Pasuk Yudbet, Vayoma Amal Shmuel, Miha Omer, Shaul Yimloch Aleinu, Tunu Anashim Venimitaim. If anybody questions that Shaul should reign over us, turn those men over to us and we will put them to death. Shaul very characteristically says, Lo Yumat Ish Beyom Hazer, Ki Hayom Asa Hashem Chuabi Israel. Today's a victory day, no one's going to die today. But now, Shmuel says, Let's go to Gilgal and let's renew the monarchy. In other words, what's happening here is that Shaul is suddenly acting. This is like what happens to Gidon. This is like what happens to Shimshon. He's got exactly this Ruach Hashem which uh, animates him. You know, the Rambam, when he talks about the levels of nevuah. The Ramam says that you can have verbal nevuah, but there's something even more, more primal than that. And that is a spirit of leadership. It is a spirit of courage. It's a spirit of saving the Jewish people. This is the um, confidence. This is what gave the confidence to each of the Shoftim of Israel. This is what gave confidence, if I can mention this week's Parashat Shavua. This is what gave confidence to Moshe to kill the Egyptian, to intervene and to lead the, to, to even as a young man, an inexperienced leader, to murder the Egyptian guard who was beating a Jew. And then he says, and this is the same spirit which animated Shaul. It is a spirit of God that doesn't manifest itself in words, it manifests itself in leadership. And the people sense this leadership. You know, it's remarkable that Shaul actually has three coronations. One is, of course, the anointing by the oil of the prophet. The second is a failed coronation because he isn't accepted by all the people. 
but the third is this coronation after he's already been victorious because you can try and create a king you can try and set up a king but you will only be a leader if you are accepted by the people who you are going to lead by the way the same thing happens with king david first he's anointed by samuel then he becomes king just over Yehuda, but not king over the whole country and only many years later does he become king over the entire nation because you can be designated by god but the people have to accept your leadership i think it's pretty evident when you read this story that with the intertextuality from shoftim that the text is deliberately trying to tell us that shaul is the answer to the chaos of shoftim if if shoftim said ein melech israel now indeed we have our king but I've got a couple of seconds, so let me just maybe say one final thing. This idea that um, the Nachash Amoni wanted to gouge out their right eye, I just want to say something about Binyamin, which is quite fascinating. The tribe of Binyamin are frequently seen, as we saw with Ehud uh, ben Geirah, Binyamini, are people who are ambidextrous. They can use their right hand and their left hand. And usually, <laughs> you close one eye when you aim. Um, it's interesting that in the book of Shoftim, they describe the soldiers of Binyamin, 700 troops, who are iter yad yimino. They can use their right hand like their left hand. Or again, in Diver Yamim Aleph, Perek Yudbet, Noshkei Keshet Miyeminam Mismolam. They're armed and they're able to shoot arrows and shoot slings, right-handed or left-handed. And it could well be that this attempt on Nachasha Amoni to cripple the eyes, to gouge out one of the eyes of Binyamin. Interestingly, that Binyamin, the, what, that of the right hand, that there seems to be a tradition of being able to fight both with the right and the left. And it might be that he wanted to throw them off kilter. And that's why specifically he chose this uh, idea of being able to gouge out one eye. That's just a small tidbit, but it's certainly an interesting one. See you tomorrow as we will go to the third coronation of King Shaul. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone.